Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Sturkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. All right. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas all rolled up together. Hey, y'all look uh, big, <laughs> full, look full and big. Who's full and big from Thanksgiving? Amen. But you look, Willem in you. Okay. It's good. It's good. And I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And our goal is to help us all prepare as we enter a season which is designed by God. And I want to show you today just to be the coolest thing ever next to Easter. And sometimes we kind of miss that because we live in a world that's kind of gobbles up the Christmas season. And I was thinking about this uh, just the other day that by the time Christmas gets here, we will have heard uh, Mariah Carey sing All I Want for Christmas is You about a million and four times. Depending on what radio station you listen to, you, you might be listening uh, to There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays by the Carpenters, okay? So by t- December 25th, you over Christmas before Christmas is even over. You just get, kind of get trapped. Now, am, am I ringing your bell, or do you feel that sometimes? You get excited, man, it's cool, look, the lights are coming out, you know, it's good, it's going to be good. I found the, the gift for somebody that I care for, and I think it's the perfect gift, everything's good. But somewhere along the line, we just kind of get the strung out, and we get, we lose our excitement about Christmas. Now, but when that happens, you've always got the great Christmas event with the family to culminate the whole deal. And you know, that's like perfect, right? Because we're Christians and everybody's happy and they get together and it's just a love fest, right? Oh, yours, oh, I forgot. <laughs> it's not that way. Even among Christian people, even those big events that are supposed to be so sweet, man, we, you, that you just see people you hadn't seen in a while, you know, you survived Thanksgiving. And so Christmas is going to be better because it's got like gifts, you know, and it's going to be amazing. But something happens. And, and part of the problem is that our family has messes in them. And, and you may be like me sometimes in the past, you've, you've had a Christmas event where you realized, uh, this isn't what Christmas is supposed to be about. In part because you show up to the Christmas event and you got that person. That person that wants to talk about all the Christmas conversations. You know, the stuff that gets the spirit going like the pandemic, the vaccine, politics, the news. You know, that's what they want to talk about at Christmas, right? And so it's like, wah, 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 Christmas is not what it's supposed to be. Or maybe you have that person. That it doesn't even matter what the conversation is because there's carryover from last year. And they show up and it's like a big shop vac sucking the Christmas spirit right out of the room. Now, if you don't know who that is in your family, I got bad news. It's you. Okay? We all have them. Just they're there to ruin Christmas. You know, you, you kind of don't want to see their car pull up in the driveway. You know, maybe they were in an accident. Not hurt, just kept away. Or maybe it's just because your family has issues. It's just a family full of mess, right? And so I I thought about this. Sometimes you watch television shows or see a movie and and you think, oh, no, that's my family. And maybe your family looks like an old family I used to watch growing up all in the family, right? Archie Bunker. Now, that was a mess of a family. Or maybe your family looks like the Simpsons. Or maybe your family looks like a family that I do not know why they have a TV show called Crisley Knows Best. What is up with that? I'm proud of my family after I saw that family. Or maybe your family looks like this family. 
Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. Oh, great. Oh. 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 What, dear? Grace! Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing! I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. 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 <sighs> Catherine, this turkey tastes half as good as it looks. I think we're all in for a very big treat. <laughs> Save the neck for me, Clark. Okay, Eddie. I told you we put it in too early. Oh, it's just a little dry. It's fine. I told you. Hey, so maybe your family looks like that family. Maybe your cousin Eddie. I don't know. But that's what happens at our Christmas, and it's messy, right? You know you got it. Let's just own it. Let's just walk in it, all right? So here's the question. How do we enjoy Christmas and experience Christmas like God, the creator and sustainer of the universe and us, how do we enjoy Christmas like he intended it to be? I want to help you understand something, that messy is God's strong suit, right? God handles the messiness of our lives and of our families and of our Christmas, and at the end of the day, we get to choose whether or not we're going to walk in that or not. And so today's message I called, on the back of your worship guide, a Christmas mess. Now, you may want to put a subtitle on there. <laughs> when you wish somebody Merry Christmas, say, hey, messy Christmas, because that's where you live. Or it's, hey, Merry Christmas, because that's where we live. I want to show you today that God is okay with the mess that comes for Christmas, because it was in the very first Christmas. Now, I have a confession to make. I, I don't re- uh, preach messages very, very often. I mean, funerals maybe a little bit, but on Sunday morning, I don't. I love to preach. I love to prepare. I love to listen to what God puts on my heart, but I was kind of busy, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to dig something up from the past and kind of brush it up, clean it up, polish it a little bit, change it a little bit. They'll never know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Confession, and God said, we ain't doing that, all right? And so I picked up my Bible and I started reading in Matthew 1. I thought, let's just go to the Christmas story. I didn't even get, I didn't get very far. And a message just kind of evolved or emerged. And, and this is what we're going to look at today. 
of Christmas mess. Now, we're going to be looking at Matthew and Luke uh, predominantly, so you can find that in your Bible. And point number one is Christmas includes the messy. Isn't that good news? Christmas, it was designed to include the messy. Jesus doesn't hide from it. Listen, we're going to read something that's very exciting to read, lineage. Okay, It's like reading the book of Numbers. But I'm going to read it to you because I want you to see what Christmas, the origin of Christmas, what it included. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it says, This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amenadab, Amenadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. Joram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiad. Abiad, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Achim. Achim, the father of Eliad. Eliad, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Now you're, amen, that's right. Now you're thinking, why do we have to do that? Well, I had to do it just to see if I could do it in public without getting scared and running off stage. But it doesn't stop there. You see, that's one lineage of Jesus. That's the lineage of Jesus under his stepdad, his adopted father, Joseph. But when you look at Luke, there's another genealogy. And, and you may have looked at those from time to time, scratched your head and said, these family trees don't even look like they've got the same root system. I mean, it's completely different. It's because they are. Now, the, the, the lineage in Matthew is the lineage according to Joseph, his, the, his adopted dad. The lineage in Luke is the genealogy or the family tree through his mother's side. Now, when you read it, it says Joseph, and it sounds like it's his family tree. But in Jewish uh, culture, Mary's lineage would have been given through her husband Joseph, who would have like kind of been adopted by Mary's father. Just sharing that because somebody asked after the first service, how do you know it's two different lineages? <laughs> because somebody smarter than me that understands Jewish culture told me in a commentary. Okay, So now when you read those, you don't have to get kind of tangled up and think, well, these are different. So, so in Matthew's lineage, according to Joseph, it, it goes from uh, beginning to, from uh, history to current. Now, I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 3 because it, it's just more of, of this greatness. In Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 23, it says, So Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years old. And Jesus was the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathet, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, 
And I'm just going to read these names. Janae, Joseph, Mattathias, Amos, Nahum, Elzie, Nagay, Maeth, uh, Mattathias, Simeon, Joseph, Jodah, Joannan, Risa, Zerubbabel, Shealtiel, Neri, Melchi, Addy, Kosum, Elmadam, Ur, Joshua, Eliezer, Jorim, uh, Mathet, Levi, Simeon, Judah, Joseph, Jonam, Eliakim, Malia, Mena, Matatha, Nathan, David, Jesse, Obed, Boaz, Selah, Nashon, Aminadab, Admin, Arni, Hezron, Perez, Judah, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, Terah, Nahor, Sarag, Ru, Peleg, Eber, Shelah, Canaan, Arphaxad, Shem, Noah, Lamech, Methuselah, Enoch, Jared, Mahalalel, Kenan, Enosh, Seth, Adam, and God. All the way back to the very beginning. Now, you say, why are we looking at this? Because we're talking about a Christmas mess. I want you to know you ain't alone. And I want you to know your Christmas mess or the idea of a mess for Christmas didn't begin in your family. The idea of a Christmas mess began in the very first Christmas family. That is in the family of Jesus. Now, genealogies were given kind of like a resume, a list of credentials, right? But as it is with God, God uses the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the good, the bad, and the ugly are in his family tree just like they're in yours. They're in your lineage, and they're in his lineage. And I want you to know it's okay. Christmas has messes in them, all of them. Is there anybody in here who has a perfect family? Raise your hand so I can have you escorted out. (laughs) No, nobody raised their hand. Okay, we got them. I want you to know it's okay for Christmas. But we've got to understand, we can't get bogged down, tied, tied up, messed up with the messes of our life. Because Christmas includes a mess. Now, These genealogies that are given like credentials or a resume, they include everything. Now, most of us have probably written some level of resume or job application somewhere along the road of life. And in that, we're supposed to write our previous experiences, which would now qualify for the position at hand. That's what Jesus has given. This qualifies him, okay? Now, if you were writing your resume and you got fired from Belk for shoplifting, you're probably going to accidentally leave that off your resume, right? And you're probably going to hope they don't call Belk because they found out you got fired for shoplifting. Or maybe you worked at Weigel's for a while and you were late every single day because you just can't get up in the morning, okay? And so you're not going to put on your resume, I was at Belk for two years, but I got fired for shoplifting. But then I went to Weigel's and I was at Weigel's, but I got fired there because I didn't show up on time every day of my employment there. And so they let me go. Oh, but then I found this other job and we're going to pick, you're not going to put that in there. You see, it's not that way with God. God is transparent with us. He tells us everything, and there's a reason for it. And in this passage, he reveals the messes of Christmas. And point number one is this. Christmas includes the messy. That's good news, isn't it? (laughs) This year, Christmas was given from God to include the messy. He doesn't leave you out of Christmas spirit Because of the mess that's in your circle, that's a mess in your family and in your world. Christmas includes the messy. Now watch this. You say, what does that have to do with the lineage? If you just read it, it looks like a bunch of names because that's what it is. 
But if you read deeper and you begin to look at some of the characters that are at play in his lineage, in his credentials, in his resume, they include people like Judah. Judah was jealous of his brother Joseph and he devised a plan to sell him into slavery. Later, Judah had relationships with a harlot who was ultimately his (laughs) daughter-in-law. Yeah, that made the cut for Christmas, okay? That's, you know that one's coming to your Christmas party this year. He was at Jesus' Christmas too. Now, you got a guy named Ahaz. Ahaz was the king of Judea. And he's one of the worst kings of all of Israel's history. Everything God said to do, he did something else. Including sacrificially burning his own son as a sacrifice. He made the Christmas card. Right? You keep reading and you find Joash. Joash was a wicked king. Now, he started out, he had a good season, but he landed in a bad place. He revived the Asherah pole and the the worship of Baal in the temple. And he had the son of a friend whose name was Zechariah, who was the prophet of God. He had him stoned to death. He made the Christmas list. And then you keep reading and you find David. Now, David was a great king, right? He was an amazing man. He wrote many of the Psalms. He was a man after God's own heart. But he had a messy life too. He was an adulterer and a murderer. You remember he goes out, he sees Bathsheba bathing on the porch. And he's like, whoa, she's fine. Invited her up. And they had relations. And Uriah was one of his heroes, one of his closest uh, commanders, But because he wouldn't lay with his wife to cover up the pregnancy, he sent him to the front line and had him murdered. He made the cut. You keep reading, you find Solomon. Solomon was the son of Bathsheba, conceived out of an adulterous relationship. And although considered very wise, he married all these women who had foreign gods and just tangled up the worship of the true and living God. That's Solomon. And then it goes back and it includes Noah. Well, you say, well, Noah was a great guy, had his family. They built this boat for 100 years, and God flooded the whole world and wiped out everything but saved humanity through Noah. True. And when the water subsides, he builds a vineyard. He gets drunk. He lays around naked, and his sons see him. He's included in Christmas, in the origin of Christmas. And then we find Adam. (laughs) We all would like to have a conversation with Adam right? Because we're products of a fallen world, a sin-cursed world because of Adam. They all made the cut in Jesus's lineages, in his credentials, in his resume for the very first Christmas. It doesn't stop there. In his lineage, women, don't be offended, women weren't included in this kind of stuff in the Old Testament. But in Jesus's lineage, in his genealogy, In his credentials, he includes women. And they're not all fine, upstanding citizens of the culture. As you read, you read about a lady named Tamar. Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Judah who tricked her father-in-law into sharing a bed as revenge because Judah wouldn't give her another son so she could conceive a child. And then we keep reading. We find Rahab. We know the story of Rahab in Jericho. She's the town prostitute, right? But she hides the spies, and that's what she's, she's a prostitute, and her greatest act of fame is lying, all right? Now, ultimately, she follows God and becomes like an adopted citizen into Israel, and, and her name is mentioned, but she's always referred to as Rahab the prostitute. And she, gets, she makes the Christmas cut. 
She's on the list. And then you have Ruth, and Ruth is an amazing person. She follows and supports Naomi and the death of their husbands. Amazing story. But Ruth is a Moabitess. Ruth came out of the people of Moab who are a people who were generated out of an incestuous relationship. She makes the cut in Jesus' genealogy. And then you have Bathsheba, an adulteress whose husband was murdered to cover it up. And she would become the fourth wife of David. Christmas includes the messy, so messy Christmas, right? I want you to know, your mess is not the first mess for Christmas. The first Christmas brought the first mess for Christmas. And I want you to know that what God does is he sends Christmas to encounter and engage with your messiness. That's good news. I want you to know this year, less than a month away, we're going to celebrate the birth of God on this earth. And if we're not careful, that mess, that baggage, that stuff, the tangled mess of what we've created Christmas to be is going to rob us of what Christmas was originally intended to be. You see, Jesus... Jesus came into this messy world knowing that you and I were going to walk among messy nests. And Christmas comes to encounter and interact and engage with that. And it's okay to have a mess, but we've got to be careful not to get caught up in the mess of Christmas. See, Jesus doesn't hide from the messy. He he doesn't ignore the messy. He dives into the middle of the messy and redeems it. That's his strong suit. Do you get that? Whether it's Christmas or whether it's in our life, Jesus dives into the mess to make it right. That's what he does. That's why he came. And so it changes. It begins to make us think, well, maybe I've got this all wrong. Maybe I spend more of my Christmas season thinking about the messy than I do the Messiah. And so this message, this genealogy is given to help us understand that Jesus includes the messy. And that's point number one. Now, point number two to help us get ready for Christmas is this. Christmas involves a message. Now, the message is bigger than I really noticed before. I mean, I kind of knew it, but I didn't know it was so pinpoint. And I want to show you the message of Christmas given to us during this season. The first was a message to Mary. And this is found in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Here's what it says. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now the angel came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, you think, by his words and began to wonder about the meaning of this greeting. And so the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. So Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. Christmas includes a message. And this message is no ordinary message. It's a life-changing message that interrupts the norm. Here's a young girl. Theologians believe she's probably 12, 13, 14 years old. And she has all of this innocence. And she's engaged to a, a fine young man whose name is Joseph. And, and they have plans and they've talked about the future. But the message disrupts the norm. The message comes diving into what is ordinary and normal and planned and understandable. And it pushes through that and it calls us to a new place where God is at play. Where there's something bigger out there than our everyday, run-of-the-mill routines and our ordinary plans. And it changes. The message changes the trajectories of, of lives. That's what Christmas was given for. And that's what it did for Mary. But I want you to notice there's another message that's found in this uh, Christmas story. It's the message to Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, we see his message. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. While his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man. And because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. And when he had contemplated this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. It says he's a righteous man. Here's a young man who has fallen in love with this beautiful young lady, and they have an innocent relationship before God, and they have these plans, and all of a sudden, the scandal emerges, right? All of a sudden... This innocent girl that you're engaged to is pregnant. And the talk, the chatter on the street is your girl has been sleeping around, right? But because he's a righteous man, and notice that in Scripture it says after he had contemplated that he would take her and put her away privately, that he wouldn't let her be shamed even because of what had happened. It says then the angel comes and speaks to him. He's acting right even in the heart of scandal. And the angel comes and gives him this message. And, and the message of Christmas now calls somebody to a faithful belief and trust because it's outside the realm of flesh understanding. It goes back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago that, that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. We learned a couple of weeks ago that Scripture says anything other than faith is unpleasing to God. You can't please God without faith. And here's a man. Christmas calls him to faithfully believing in something that's, that he can't really wrap his mind around. It, it's never, he's never seen it this way before. He's never heard this story before, but yet he's caught up in this moment where he has to respond in faith. So the message of Christmas isn't about an encounter between God and man and man's doubt. A, a faith that changes destinies of a world. And so we find a message to Mary, a message to, to Joseph. That's not the only message. The next message we look at is, is a message to the prophet. A message to the prophet looks like this in Matthew 1.22. It says, this all happened so that what was spoken by 
the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Verse 23 says, look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You say, what's that got to do with a prophet? It has much to do with a prophet because it's a quote from a prophecy. You see, 700 years before Christmas finds its origin, God spoke to a man and told him exactly how he was going to come as the Messiah to save the world. You see, the Jewish people wanted a military giant, somebody to come in and crush Rome. It wasn't time for that. He had to save He had to save people before he could be that king. He had to develop the next level of his uh, his kingdom before he could rule and reign. Now, he will come and rule and reign, but that's the second time. But now he comes, he tells him he's going to come from a virgin. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the prophet gets this message 700 years earlier. And it says this, for this reason, the Lord himself will give you a confirming sign. Look, this young woman is about to conceive and will give birth to a son. You, young woman, will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But it it was not only that message, but there's another message found in this passage, a message to another prophet. In Matthew 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the one who's born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was alarmed, and all Jerusalem with him. After assembling all the chief priests and the experts in the law, he asked them where Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for it is written this way by the prophet. Verse 6, and you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are in no way least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Again, 700 years approximately earlier than Christmas's origin, God spoke to the prophet Micah, and he told him this in Micah 5, verse 2. As for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, seemingly insignificant among the clans of Judah, for from you a king will emerge who will rule over Israel on my behalf, one whose origins are in the distant past. And so these messages of Christmas are everywhere. But when we read those, it seems like, okay, that's for then. That's great. Those are messages just just telling, authenticating that Jesus is really God in the flesh. That Jesus has wrapped himself in skin, entered swaddling, entered a, a virgin womb, landed in swaddling clothes to begin his life and his ministry here on earth. But you see, there's more. There's more messages in there. The next one we find in Luke 2 is a message to the shepherds. And it says in verse 8, Now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today... Your Savior is born in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. 
Another message, God reaches into the lowly but trustworthy lives of shepherds. These guys are just out in the field watching sheep. Now, it was a great occupation, but it wasn't the high and mighty. It was a lowly position, but they were trusted, and God trusted them with the message that Jesus was coming, the Messiah was coming to this earth. God reached into these lives with the message of the origin of Christmas in the mess where they were. Now, so far, that's good news. It's good stuff. But what's that have to do with you? What's that have to do with me? I want you to tell the person next to you, Christmas was given to you. Now tell your second favorite on the other side. Christmas was given to you too, right? Christmas was given to you. Now this message in Scripture is spelled out to you. Everybody say to you. Everybody say to me. It wasn't just a a general message given to wise men, angels, Mary, Joseph, the angels. It's a message that's given to you. And, And if we're not careful, we read right through it. I certainly have. So when I was preparing this thing, this phrase jumped out. And it's found in verse 10. It says, and we've already read it, but you probably didn't think about it. I certainly haven't. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Everybody say proclaim. Everybody say good news. In the Greek, that's euon galidzo. Euon galidzo is the gospel. Jesus coming to this earth is the good tidings, which is the good news of the gospel. In his birth, in his infancy, his his life was given to us for evangelism, to rescue us from our sinful condition. The good news, the gospel of Jesus is found in the very first messy Christmas. And then he goes on and he says, what what is this euangelizo, this good tidings, good news gospel? What's it supposed to do to you and you and you and me in this messy Christmas world we live in? Are you ready? He goes on and he says, to bring great joy to all people. You can look it up in the Greek, and you know what all people means? All people. Everybody. Everybody's included. You and me, your family, the joy stealer that's coming at Christmas, the messiness of, of the mall, the confusion and the, t- the tensity and the anxiousness that, that often surrounds Christmas. Joy is to penetrate that. It's to come right in the middle of the mess of Christmas and say, hey, let's, let's get our heads up. There's more to this story than what the world wants to talk about. It is God saying to us, hey, I know the mess you live in. Did you look at my genealogy, my credentials, and my resume? I came into a mess, but you know what I did not do? I didn't let the mess of my Christmas past 
hang on to me like baggage. And when you read the story of my ministry, man, I'm just dragging Tamar with me. I got Judah on my back. I got Noah and Adam bringing me down because I got that in my past. And it's messing up my first Christmas. It doesn't do that. Jesus showed up in the middle of a mess and he lived a perfect life so he could be qualified to die a perfect sacrificial death for me and for you. And it all began in the messiness of the first Christmas. And so Christmas includes the messy and Christmas involves a message. And you're here this day to hear this message that no matter what your Christmas is beginning to look like, because it's already unpacking, unwrapping itself, and no matter how stressed out it already may seem or you feel it coming, no matter how confused because of all of the disruptions of life that we've had this year and we have in our families, uh, no matter how out of balance or out of control this season is beginning to feel like, no matter how messy it is, that's when Christmas should shine the most. You see, that's what the first Christmas does. It entered the messiness of a world and shined with the brilliance of a star seen from miles away that the wise men would follow. It came into the messiness of the world and it, it entered the hearts of shepherds to go seek out this baby lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. It, it was a, it, it, Christmas came with a, with a purpose to enter a messy world and give us joy. So here's the challenge and here's the encouragement. This Christmas, don't get stuck in the mess. Because Christmas shines brightest on the darkest mess. And maybe you think you got the darkest mess. If I ask, who thinks you got the darkest mess? Several hands would go up. Because you're looking at your mess. And I want to challenge us as a church. As we enter into Christmas season, realize God shines his brightest in the darkest mess of life. Don't miss Christmas 2021. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. As we service, I want you to know Jesus stepped out of the splendor of heaven for one reason and one reason only. And it was to encounter the mess of this world. That's it. God came from heaven to this earth because of and for the purpose of the mess. And maybe you're here today and your life is a mess. And Christmas 2021, you need a miracle to cover your mess. I want you to know that's what Jesus does. And maybe you're here today and Christmas 2021 needs to be the season when you simply receive 
the greatest gift that Christmas has ever given. And that's the gift of Jesus. Maybe you've had some form of religion. Maybe you've had some ideas about what Christianity is. But maybe there's no joy in that. It may be because you have simply never come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I know I'm broken. I know I'm sinful. I cannot fix myself. But I don't feel your presence. And as I enter this Christmas, I want you, Jesus, to enter my mess just like you entered the mess 2,000 years ago. I want you to invade my situation and my circumstance. I confess my sins to you. I repent of them. I'm changing directions. I don't want to live in that anymore. I want Jesus to rescue me, to save me on this day. Father, we thank you for the day you've given us, the opportunity to come together and to talk about what Christmas can and should and originally was. God, I, I thank you that you never give up on us. You continue to woo and to invite and to draw and to whisper into our soul an invitation. And God, I pray on this day, if there's someone here that doesn't know you in a real way, that don't have the joy that the gospel brings, the good news brings, God, that this would be the day they would receive it. And they would give themselves to you to be, that you would be not just their savior, not just their passageway from this life into an eternal life, but God, that they would make you the Lord of their life. Because it's in obedience to you, following you as a disciple, where we find the true meaning and the greatest demonstration of joy in our life. And God, for those of us who have already made that profession of faith and given ourselves to you, God, I pray that you will help us look beyond the mess of Christmas and that we will look to you who walked through the mess and came out on the other side. And we'll give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing. And if you want to come today to this altar, it's open. You can come and pray. If you've given your life to Jesus on this day and you'd like to talk to somebody, please just fill out a connection card, put my name, put a phone number, email, whatever. And just write on there somewhere, I gave my life to Jesus today. And I will personally contact you and help you move forward in that greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.